Hello and welcome to episode two of The Ryan Hanley Show, and today I want to introduce you to Justin Forsett, an NFL pro bowler turned entrepreneur who has an incredible story. His story alone, his origin story alone, isn't why I wanted to have him on the show. What I love about Justin is that he capitalizes every day in everything that he does on his superpower, and it has nothing to do with his athletic ability. start with a tweet just because it's interesting to me i'm former athlete i division three college baseball player maybe slightly different level but uh but i'm always interested in this kind of thing and you sent out a tweet talking about the oakland coliseum you said if anyone wants to know what it feels like to fall on that dirt in the oakland coliseum go outside right now sprint as fast as you can in the middle of the street once you get up to full speed jump as high as you can and belly flop on the pavement i'm just i'm just interested like was it really that bad like it just sounds terrible (laughs) It is that bad, man. So, so I, after I see that tweet out, and it went viral, that tweet is like yeah, over yeah. twenty thousand likes uh, for that tweet. And uh, so, with that, that it's baseball field because the A's are still playing, and the football field they're playing the Coliseum. So, in the middle, like around a 50, 40 yard, forty yard line, uh, it's grass, it's grass, and then you have this huge chunk of like clay for the infield, yeah. and. What they do is, like, normally for a baseball game, because I played baseball in high school, normally a baseball game, they rake the sand, they water it, they make it soft. But in that Coliseum, they remove all of the extra dirt, all the extra, you know, sand from the infield, and they dry it out. So it is super hard. It is like like you can hear your cleats, like as if you were walking on concrete with your cleats on. Wow. And it is, it is brutal. And people were sending me, like, photos of – like Pete Rose diving into second base, like jumping up. And I'm like, man, it's not the same. If Pete Rose dived uh, headfirst in this clay, like he would have woke up, he would have got up with like most of his chest and face missing. Yeah. It, you know, I've heard the story, you know, and players have talked about it for years, how bad it is. And it, and I guess that's obviously why they're leaving for Las Vegas, but uh, or at least part of the reason why they're leaving for Las Vegas. But um, it, it's interesting to me that today, 2019, and this was – so I was scrolling through all the comments, and it's just funny how um, people can't just give you that comment. Like, they've never been there. They've never experienced yeah. it. They're going to hammer on you with all these gifts and pictures. I, I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good that you're taking it in good nature, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was fun. So um, – Obviously, I have you on here, and I want to share your story with this audience because I think um, you're you've had a really interesting journey in your career. Um, and I want to start kind of at the beginning of, of where um, you were drafted in the seventh round in the in the NFL draft, and uh, I think you know baseball has seventy rounds or hundred rounds. I mean, it, it goes on forever. But in the NFL, it's you know if you get picked towards the end of that draft a lot of those guys don't end up making it onto the actual uh, 53 man roster, 53 man roster, whatever it is. And um, so, so, and I've heard other interviews that you've given where you've talked about your preparation and I am just, I'm really interested in both your mindset, like when you got drafted and then like, when did you start to figure out that you were going to have to work, you know, that much harder to, to kind of make your dream a reality. Talk me through that process. Cause it had to be, you know, super, uh, you had to go deep on that. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly all started from a young age, man. I, I was always limited, labeled, you know, the underdog. So I was, you know, had to fight for what I wanted. Nothing came easy for me. So I had to put in that, that sweat equity. I had to work hard. I had, you know, they were telling me I was too short and too slow, too small, all these different type of things my entire life. So getting drafted in the seventh round at pick 233, um, you know, just a few picks away from Mr. Irrelevant. Like, that was no different to me. I just had to keep my head down, stay focused, excel at what I could control, uh, which was my attitude, my effort, and my preparation, and uh, and, and, and just kind of let the chips lay when they, where they may because um, that's what I was used to. What do you think is different about that, though? So many people, I think, you know, at 5'8", right, not prototypical size for an NFL running back, a lot of people would have just given up. Like, as soon as they heard their first, the first coach or the first, you know, parent in the stands or whoever say, you know, a man, like you're probably just too small. Like they would have believed that they would have let that sink in. And obviously you didn't. So where do you think that comes from? One, uh, it was be simple because I did believe in my abilities. Like I, I believe that, you know, I had something special within me. Um, and then, um, just where I came from, I wanted so much more for my life. It was something that thing, the thing that I was chasing was greater than myself. So I wanted something better for my family. You know, I was at one point, you know, living out of a motel with my dad and my, my, my mom and, and two brothers. Um, there was times when I had to take baths with bottled waters. There was times when I had to do my homework by candlelight because we couldn't afford to pay bills. Like all those things I was thinking about in tough times and those would motivate me, fuel, fuel me to keep pushing forward. I wasn't going to let anything um, stand in my way, not even critics, doubt uh, from people around me, coaches, uh, teachers, you name it. I, I, I was not going to be denied. When you get to the, to the, your very first practice or OTAs, um, are you invited to OTAs as a, as a draft pick? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you can, um, as an OTA seven round pick, you go to OTAs and all those mini camps. So you get there, like, is there immediately an established pecking order or it's kind of all the rookies grouped together? Like how, how does that work? Like, do you, are you fighting from day one or are you, do you get like, like from high school to college, you kind of get a rebirth, right? Like everything you did in high school is kind of reset. When you get to college, you get to kind of reestablish yourself in this new space. Is that the way it is in the NFL or does, is there still that pecking order that's coming in? Well, first, normally you get there with the rookies. So the veterans aren't even there yet. So you're just practicing, working out and training with the rookies. And so you, everybody's in the same boat. And then you kind of get you up to speed. And then you have like your first real organized team activity, OTA, and uh, you're practicing with the team. And that was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, there is a pecking order. You see the starters going in, and I'm in a huddle with, you know, a Matt Hasselback and Walter Jones, who's a Hall of Famer, um, and, uh, you know, Julius Jones, who's the running back, starting running back at the time, uh, Nate Burleson, um, all those guys. I'm like, man, this is guys I watched on TV. It's kind of a surreal moment. Like, man, you, you kind of made it. And I'm in a huddle getting a play call from Matt Hasselback. Uh, was pretty, uh, pretty insane for me. So uh, that was definitely pecking order. So tell me a little bit about like the first time. So I, I've, I've, I've interviewed other um, athletes. Uh, you're the first person I've ever talked to who's been in the NFL. Um, and I, I, I was talking to a gentleman who uh, used to play in the NHL. And I asked him like the first time you put one in the back of the net, like your rookie season, you pump one in the back, you know, what was that like? And he's like, well, you know, I had done it so many times in, in, in other leagues, like it wasn't that big a deal. Is that the same the first time you take, you take, you touch pay dirt in the NFL, you know, you, you, you bust through and you score a touchdown. Does it feel the same or is that, is that another level? 
No, man, that was a pretty special moment uh, for me to get into the uh, get into the end zone. I remember I was in uh, it was in Phoenix playing the Cardinals, and it was my uh, second year in the NFL. Uh, where I scored my first regular season touchdown, and um, somebody got hurt. The running back, starting running back, got hurt. So I thrust in for the re- I got thrust into the lineup for the rest of the game as every down back and uh, broke through. And it was just like a you know adrenaline rush, you know, just all the emotions of you know scoring your first touchdown. Um, it's kind of like you finally made it and, and arrived in the NFL. Well, and that was during a time when you still couldn't dance, right? So what'd you, what'd you do? <laughs> so I always, I was pretty simple, man. I always uh, gave thanks and it was like a prayer after, uh, after I scored a touchdown. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like, you like the dancing. I, I, I like that they brought it back a little bit. I think it's fun. No, it's great for the game, man. A lot, for a long time, the NFL stood for the not fun league. So, um, I think that bringing it back brings better personality. You know, the fans love it, keeps them engaged. So it's good for the sport. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, you know, I think I could talk to you about the the NFL side the whole time, but I, the reason, the thing that I feel find is the most intriguing about your story is not just the fact that that you became a pro athlete, but that you transitioned your career from pro athlete to entrepreneur. And talk to me a little bit about uh, when. Have you always seen yourself as a business person? Has business always been on your mind? Or was there a time in your career when you started to say, hey, like, you know, the next, what am I going to do next after the NFL? And business might be a good option for me. Well, my dad was an entrepreneur. We had a restaurant for a few years growing up in Florida. Um, But I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, kind of my lane once I retired. Uh, But once I got in the NFL, and I started seeing like those staggering t- statistics where we we're saying like 80% of football players two years after they're done uh, are either bankrupt, divorced, or depressed. Um, I knew I didn't want to be in that number and then that statistic. And uh, I would look around and I saw guys like, you know, Magic Johnson at the time, Michael Jordan, Roger Starback in Dallas. Uh, these guys like really transcended the game and use their sport as a stepping stool for their their next career. And they excelled at it and they became moguls. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. I was kind of trying to find out, okay, how was, how was I going to do it? Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I was fired a lot of times. I was fired six times during my career. So I had to think about the end a lot. And, um, you know, I had this concept. Um, we talked about shower pill uh, with a couple of my college teammates. And I felt like, okay, this can be the avenue where I can be you know, a voice to those who uh, were placed in the box, us being athletes, like just like play football or play a sport and just do that and, and you're fine and then you'll go broke. But I wanted much more. I wanted to be in that other number with like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. So I pursued the business angle and entrepreneurship. Yeah. What does it feel like? Like what would go through your mind when um, you hear that you've been released by an NFL team? Like, you know, you said like you, you had been fired six times and then, you know, you you found another, um, you found a job with another team, um, mm-hmm. moved throughout a, couple, a few different teams. Um, I was not your biggest fan when you were in Baltimore because you used to run all over my bills. So <laughs> I have to admit that, but uh, obviously like you had, you know, very high moments and then, and then obviously you, 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 at different times you were released. Like, what goes through your mind in that moment? Like, are you questioning if there's another job for you every time? Or did you reserve for a period you knew you'd be able to find something else? Well, the first time I got fired, I felt like I had an opportunity to go somewhere else because it was so early in my career. 
Um, but there's sure there's many a times we I didn't think I was going to have another opportunity to play in the NFL and, and live out my dream. Uh, I can think about that time in Jacksonville where I got fired there and I was getting ready to transition out of football. I was getting ready to, you know, do full time business and, um, you know, entrepreneurial journey, start that up. And, uh, you know, I don't know where the Baltimore Ravens gave me a call. And then, then my career took a turn for the good and uh, was able to do some amazing things there in Baltimore. But, uh, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of, a lot of down times. Yeah. And for, for those of you who don't know, that was your, uh, your Pro Bowl season, 1200 plus yards scored uh, eight TDs on the ground or eight TDs total. Um, you know, that was, well, that was the year that I, I actually uh, uh, watched you live just, just mow down my bills team but (laughs) that's all good we'll let that we'll let that go Um, (laughs) uh so okay so so you're you you get to the point where you kind of feel like it it is the end right and that was with the denver broncos correct that's when you were with the broncos um you know you you're you you you've decided that you're you're not going to be the statistic of of a former nfler who ends up going broke and um and business is going to be the next step like, tell me about where the shower pill came from. Like, how did you know this was the venture that was going to be this next step? Well, I'll just give a little backstory on just the, the term shower pill. It was, it came from the NFL locker room. Um, there's a joke inside joke where there's pills for everything, but no pills for a shower. So when a guy skipped out on a shower after a training session, he said, I'm taking a shower pill, bro. Don't judge me. So that was a joke, but it wasn't really a laughing matter inside the locker room because you could get things like staph and ringworm and skin infections. Uh, so we wanted to come up with a solution and, you know, create an actual shower pill uh, is what we did, which is a disposable washcloth, an antibacterial toilet that removes sweat, dirt, and body odor after any interval of, uh, of sweat. And uh, so we had the idea, the concept, the locker room loved it, but when we knew we had something really special is when... Uh, the feedback outside of the locker room came in and it was, you know, your soccer moms, the campers, the hikers, the fitness enthusiasts, the runners, they all embraced the product and made it their own and felt, you know, found a home for it, um, so to speak. So uh, we knew we had something special. We had like product market fit. Uh, people were buying the product. They had, we were getting rave reviews. You know, we were Amazon's choice product on Amazon platform and over 500 uh, reviews. And we were just like, okay, well, I guess the product works and, uh, you know, we just need to pour some gas, more time, more money on it, more money in it. And, uh, you know, the sky is really the limit for us. So that's kind of when we knew we had something special and I can go in full time and kind of try to push this thing forward. Yeah. So, so talk to me about the genesis of that. Cause that's a, that's a, there's a lot in there that I'd like to unpack around the business side of this, you know, and, and I guess maybe just in making this transition as clean as possible, like when you're looking at the entrepreneur side of your life, you know, what, what skills, what lessons, uh, aspects of, of work or whatever, um, tra- like from your NFL life to the entrepreneur life, what, what transitioned, what came with you? And you said, you know, this is something that, that really helped me from this previous life that I lived and, and what things maybe didn't transition over as well or, or that you had to learn um, now that you've been an entrepreneur for a while. For sure. Uh, so a lot transitions over, man. Uh, transfer over to the entrepreneur life from football. Uh, I feel like I'm in a, on, a, in a, on the gridiron every day fighting. Um, so work ethic, you know, commitment, sacrifice, discipline, all those. It takes all those things, uh, you know, to be a great football player and to be a great businessman. And I use those skills that I had, you know, just being consistent, persevering through tough times. Uh, I'm no stranger to that. So 
I fit in well in the entrepreneur uh, lifestyle. Um, some of the things that I had to pick up, uh, just some of those skills, like you know, understanding you know P and Ls and your balance sheets and investors and raising capital. Um, those things didn't necessarily come natural to me. I actually had to study, had to research. Um, I spent some time um, at an executive program at Harvard Business School this year uh, for some I developed, you know, even some work to help me in my business, um, reaching out to people that have um, experience running companies, have great mentors around me just so I can uh, learn and be a sponge from was important. Uh, just to get some of those uh, those other skills that I was lacking uh, that I didn't get from the football field. So uh, there there was a, there was a lot there that I that I didn't uh, have, but more so than not, uh, a lot transitioned over from the football field. Do you ever feel like you know, I, from my own athletic career, um, I, I felt like sometimes the business side of of things like perseverance and it's it's almost more difficult mentally because when I when I was a baseball player I knew I like I just need to go out and hit on the tee for an hour like that's what I'm gonna go do I'm gonna go do that and and I when I can see results and sometimes it feels like and I'm just interested in your take in this like it you do it, it almost feels like in business a lot of times you can grind for a long time before you see any real development and then it'll kind of snap forward sometimes if if, if everything works out where. When I was in my athletic career, I felt like I could see more incremental changes or more incremental improvements or adjustments day to day, um, a little tweak here, a little tweak there, um, some practice in a certain area, and I could start to see those improvements. And I know even in my own career in business, I, I have struggled at times with like, man, I feel like I'm doing the work and, I, and it doesn't actually feel like I'm getting the reward that I should be getting. Did you ever find any of that or have similar experience? Yeah, man. Uh, I found that, you know, not only in, you know, business, but also in my playing career. So my breakout year in the NFL didn't come to my year seven. You know, I was 29 years old. Um, you know, uh, that was, you know, 15 years of me doing the same things over and over again until I got a true breakthrough in my sport and in my, you know, so uh, I was no stranger to that. So I understand that just like in sports and in business, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you just got to water. You just got to, you know, uh, plant. You just got to just make sure that you are excelling at those things that you can control on a daily basis and, and, and embrace the process. And if you do that and stay committed to it, I believe with consistency, you'll see um, that, that, that growth that you want and you'll see your dreams uh, come true or those goals that you uh, want to attain happen. Um, so, that's kind of where I look at it. I think it always is like, you know, I may not see huge results today, but I understand that it's a marathon and, and, and not a sprint. So that's kind of my mindset. Yeah. One of the things I thought was really interesting um, in preparing to, to talk to you today was um, your experience on Shark Tank. So yeah. I'd love you, I'd love you to talk through a little bit, just both, you know, why you went on Shark Tank and what that experience was like. And then, uh, and then some of the things that you learned coming out the other side of it. Man, Shark Tank was um, was an amazing experience for me on so many levels. Not only, you know, to get on the show, to be there knowing that, man, this is a way for us to get our product and brand out there to uh, to basically the world and uh, on a big stage. But also getting there, not getting a deal, receiving the, the feedback that we got, mostly, mostly positive, but knowing that there was an area inside 
inside of our company where I could grow and we could grow and in the financial part and having a CFO and, you know, being, have a better understanding of P&Ls, balance sheets and all those things. And, um, you know, that helped me, um, even though it didn't feel good at the time being rejected on national TV, uh, it helped me grow as a businessman, um, and as a teammate in my, within my company. So, uh, that experience, you know, standing in front of, you know, Mark Cuban and Barbara Cochran and Lori Bernier and Alex Rodriguez, who was the guest judge at the time, it really propelled me, prepared me to be where I am at now, where, you know, uh, after that, we kind of had to take a step back as a company and think about, okay, where are the areas where we need to grow, where we need to tighten things up and kind of prepared us where we went on to Good Morning America and crushed that. And then go from there into Target nationwide, where you know went all 1,800 stores now, and a few other distribution channels throughout the country. Um, but if I didn't have that moment um, of rejection, um, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Where I'm at today. Did you get to spend any time with the judges outside of what just that moment when you walked through the doors? No, no, we didn't. It was in and out. We were the first group to pitch, and um, so there was, was like they had a whole day uh, left to get guys in. Yeah. How much total time do you think you spend in the room with them? Because you only get, it's like minutes on the, on the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were over an hour in there uh, talking, going back and forth, and they, they showed four or five minutes. Yeah, that's interesting. So one of the things I thought was really interesting um, in, in, in kind of looking through that experience for you was uh, after like the, the time when the show aired, you were pumping the show really hard, even though you knew that you hadn't been in, you know, you hadn't gotten a deal. And you like got a little bit of flack for that, which I, um, just talk me through one, your thought process. Cause I, I love that you did that. I, I think it's, it's tremendous and I understand why you did it, but you know, one, what was your thought process? And two, like when you do, you know, someone in your position who does have public persona, um, you know, like when you get pushback on something or you get flack or you get haters, we were talking before about all the P Rose flop gifts that you got, yeah. you know, like how, how do you handle that emotionally? Um, Man, I, like I said, I grew up, I, I mean, no one expected me to be where I'm at today. No one expected, you know, this 5'8", 190-pound running back to play nine years in the NFL. Um, so being rejected, being, you know, uh, laughed at or criticized is something that I've been used to. And I just ignore the noise, whether it's, you know, good or bad. Um, and after, you know, the reason why I pumped it, you know, and people are like, man, why, why would you do that? You know, you didn't get it. You, you didn't get a deal. And it just looked bad. <laughs> so uh, the reason was because man, this is an opportunity for people to see us take a loss on TV, so to speak. We took a loss where we didn't get a deal. But I wanted them to be able to see that it's okay to fail. It's okay to take a loss as long as you learn from it. And I was determined and made a declaration to myself that this won't be the last time that the world sees me as an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can within my power to make this company go. Yes, you saw me when I was at my, my lowest point as an entrepreneur. Uh, but just remember that I'm not dead yet and I'm not done yet uh, with this, this passion uh, that I have in this company that I'm running. So I want people to see that it's okay to to have some rejection and some setbacks is how you respond. And, uh, you know, I think about that every day. And when I wake up, um, you know, it pushes, it pushes me and fuels me to go forward. 
I'm so interested in that mindset that you have because this to me feels like the crux of, of or, or at least a part of um, the success, how you've gotten to where you are to, in all the different aspects of your life has been this particular mindset like that, that you didn't, you don't let these, you know, I, I hate the word haters because I feel like it's so overplayed, but just any negativity, you don't let that slow you down, right? There's something, some sort of belief inside you that that you just, you know, this is what I believe. This is who I am. I'm going to keep pushing forward because I know where I want to be. Is there, are there any, um, there might not be tactics, but are there any, um, I guess, ideas, mantras, concepts that maybe someone who, who doesn't handle it so well, right? Like when negativity comes into their life, they, they really, they, they let it drag them down. Is there, is there anything you can share with them that, that, that they can maybe hold in their head or, or something that they can repeat or maybe something that you've written or created that they can go back and watch that, to help them get through this. Cause this to me feels like your superpower. Uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm pulling it out. Well, man, yeah. Uh, for one, you know, my faith is very important to me. So uh, I realized that, you know, a long time ago that I'm on earth, not only for myself and self-consumption, but that make a difference and have an impact in people's lives. So anytime I come across anything that, you know, I see as a setback or adversity. I think about like the greater scheme of things and how I can use that um, to help people. So when adversity hits, I don't ask the question, why me? Uh, or why do I always have to take the long road or the hard road? I ask the question, how? How can I use this to make me better? How can I use this to push my company forward? How can I use this to make me a better husband, a better father? You name it. So uh, that's the kind of perspective that I take. And then realizing that, you know, there's going to be a lot that's out of my control. So those things that I can control, excel at it. Attitude, effort, preparation. I say it over and over again. It's important. And then being accountable um, to what I call a huddle in life. So I have a group of people, a group of uh, individuals that I trust, that I can be vulnerable with, that I can be transparent with, that kind of helps me and push me when times get rough. Um, and a lot of times people want to isolate themselves when they get hard times, but that's when you really need to dig deeper and, and dig deeper into your huddle where you can get guidance and instruction, um, you know, from those people that love you the most. So uh, a combination of those things can allow me to have that, you know, uh, mental. Force. So, so I, I love this be accountable to a huddle idea um, it's for the non-football fans who may be listening to this. The huddle is the collection of guys on the offensive side of the ball before they know <laughs> what the play is. And, uh, and that just, just to give people some context, I'm sure I think uh, most people understand the reference. Um, the question I have from what you just said, and, uh, and thank you for that. It really is, I think, uh, what I was looking to get. Um, how do you choose that huddle? Like for you, like you personally, when you're thinking about the people who are in that huddle with you, um, how do, how do you choose them? Like what goes through your mind when you're, when you're thinking about who you want to be in that space with you? Uh, people that add value, you know, people with experience, people that, um, are honest, people that are loyal, trustworthy, um, because you want to be in a place where, it's actually a safe place where you can be vulnerable, where you can vent, where you can really say what's on your mind and not really feel like you're going to be judged uh, by the way you feel, whether good, bad, or indifferent. So I look for those people. Um, you know, and I always say that if you're the only person in your circle or huddle that adds value, then it's not a circle, it's a prison. And you need to find your way out. Um, because 
you want people that are going to lift you up and, and, you know, and add strength to the group, not, not stress. So that's kind of what I look for. Yeah. So where, um, I want to bring us back to the shower pill. Um, where's the shower pill going from here, man? I mean, your national syndication and targets. I know you're in a lot of fitness centers, including crunch, including metabolic. Uh, yeah. and you know, what, what's the, what's the next step for, for the shower pill? Do you have any other products coming out out of the company? Like talk to me a little bit about the, about where, where the next steps in your entrepreneurial journey go. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool with the shower pill, which, you know, it simply means it's just that shower on the go, um, you know, product. And uh, we got the body wipes out in stores, gyms all over the country. And uh, we actually have our face wipes coming out, which will be in Target all over the country here next starting next week. Um, we'll be releasing that product and we'll probably have another SKU coming out here uh, soon before year ends. But, um, but yeah, just create more cool, dope products for the consumer that's uh, on the go and enjoys fitness and, you know, uh, health. You know, so that's kind of that's kind of the direction we're headed. Well, I, I'm very glad that our that our paths have crossed. One because I got to spend this amount of time with you. Um, also, you know, and I, and this is you know in full transparency to everyone listening at home, we sell we sell the the, the shower pill, the body wipe, um, in uh, metabolic studios, and the reason is that uh, it works. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people that come in. They're on, like they're moving. They get a metabolic workout and they want to get back to work in that extra 10, 15 minutes that it takes to hit the shower. Maybe they just don't have that time or, or maybe they just want to clean up before they jump back in their car and head home for the family at the end of the day. And, um, you know, in terms of everything that you'd want out of a wipe, that non-alcoholic, uh, you, don't, you don't want your skin to get dry. That's not what happens. You know, the, you got a nice smell. Um, you know, you, within no time, your clothes feel just like as if you hadn't used it, which isn't the case with other body wipes that I've used. So. Um, it's been, it's been a good product. And I'll tell you, not just a lot of people come in and buy them out of our shop who are going camping. You would say campers. <laughs> that's a huge one. Like people will come in, like clients will come in and, and buy a couple boxes and, and take them out. Um, and they're going camping. So, Hey man, I think you got something. I think it's incredible that, uh, that you have been able to be such a shining example of someone who can take a, a professional career and transition it into uh, an entrepreneurial journey. I think whether it's the NFL or just working for a large company, I don't think it necessarily has to be a pro athlete. I think uh, the, what what I love about your story is that you didn't let the first, you know, you didn't let the the first half of the book be the second half of the book. You 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 kept writing that story, uh, and uh, and I'm just very happy that you came on here and shared it with us today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, Ryan. It's my pleasure to be on. Yeah, just just where's the best place for someone to connect with you? I'll have links up on the show notes and everything, but just if one place for people to get at you. Yeah, you can go to uh, at J4Set on all platforms or at Shirepill on all platforms and uh, find me there. All right, appreciate you, man. All right, thanks, Ryan.